All right, everyone. Thank you for joining uh, tonight's Parsha in My Life class. Tonight's class was dedicated by Josh Morvich. May Hashem Benjamin and his family. This is in honor of Moshiach. Okay, if there was something needed still to bring Moshiach, Josh, you're on it. Dedicating tonight's share for Mashiach. Hold on, let me just get rid of these. Uh, That's very special. Um, someone else, I think, wanted to dedicate the class, but I forgot the details, so I'm going to have to uh, either do it post-class or as a Hashem next share. Now, last week I spoke about appointing a king, and um, I told you there would be a part two. Um, more in detail, and then I was planning to do that on Tuesday night, but then I remembered that I had a private um, um, class commitment already on Tuesday night, which is, so I couldn't do that, and then I traveled to New York. I was out for a few days, so sorry for not being able to do the part two. I was planning to do that tonight, but um, for whatever reason, I did not have the time necessary to be able to research that the way I want to. So with Hashem's help, I still plan on giving the part two of that class because I feel it is super, 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 super important for us to do that. Um, for tonight, we have something special. We're going to talk about the new month that we're in, the month of Elul. We're just about five days into the month of Elul. Today was Hay. And, yeah, let me see. Friday was Aleph. And then days were Shabbos, Gimel, Dalet, and Hey. Yeah, today was Hey Elul. And tonight is really Vav Elul. Um, very, very, very powerful month. Very auspicious time. And we know that we're living in very auspicious times in general. So the month of Elul is very, very powerful. Always. How much more so when the world is standing at such crucial moments and how we, the Jewish people, play are playing a pivotal role in shaping the future for all of eternity. And I, and I can pretty much say with, with much, with very strong conviction, much stronger than we've done in, 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 in all other years. It's, it's big. It's the big leagues now. It's like the playoff season now. This is, this is the, the finals. We're at the finals right now. And uh, so it's good to know what we're doing. It's good to know what our avoda has to be in the month of El, so we do it correctly. We know, everybody knows, the month of El is a auspicious month for many reasons. It's the last month of the year, and it's called Chodesh HaCheshpan. It's the time that we rectify the, pre the past year. It's also the time that we lay the foundations for the accomplishments and the achievements and all that we will accomplish in the up and coming year. A Jew is constantly supposed to build on the past, and exceed the past and uh, stretch beyond their limitations and constantly, continuously to grow and grow and grow in their connection to Hashem and in their fulfillment of their mission and purpose in this world. And, um, and therefore we have a month of El to kind of you know, take stock of where we're at and where we have to go. But it's not just that it is vital and because we know the great day is coming, Rosh Hashanah, and the high holidays are coming, do we need to prepare? But also, um, there's another idea over here, and that is that God and His end is very close to us. The month of Elul is the month of the Shari Rachamim, the gates of mercy and compassion are swung wide open. As we spoke about the, the showering of the, of the petals of the rose as they, as they descend, the petals of the 13 attributes of mercy, 
that are flowing from above in the month of Elul, and each and every one of us can reach out and connect in the deepest, highest way, and make all the amends that we need to make and prepare ourselves for the greatest lights. And again, this is true every year, how much more so when we're holding literally seconds before the coming of the full, the full rolling out of the full Geula Shulema, the full um, complete redemption. And we want to ready ourselves. So the month of Elul is an extra boost and an extra time to be able to be ready and prepared for the great redemption. Um, so I would like to speak about the uh, correct avoda during the month of El. This is based on a discourse that Lubavitcher Rebbe gave in the year 1972, called Anil Dodi He opens up the discourse with the question that um, we know that Anil Dodi which is a verse in Shira Shirim, is a acronym for the month of Elul. Anil Dodi spells Aleph Lamed Vav Lamed, which means I'm to my beloved, my beloved is to me. Um, yet. Um, he brings from his grandfather's great-great-grandfather, the uh, Alter Rebbe, Zaman of Liadi, the author of the Tanya, the Shulchan Aruch, and he explains that in the, in the verse, Ani Dodi Vidodi Li, there's two phases. There's Ani Dodi, I am to my beloved, and then there's the, my beloved is to me. So the Alter Rebbe explains that the month of El is the time that we have to put in the, the work to get closer to Hashem. Ani Dodi, we need to do the work every day increasing our Torah, every day increasing our prayer, every day deepening our relationship with God. God's reciprocation is going to happen only in the month of Tishrei, during the high holidays. That's when Hashem reciprocates. Rosh Hashanah, the moment it becomes the night of Rosh Hashanah, there is a powerful, godly presence in the world, especially by from Tekiah Shefer and on. In a sense, Rosh Hashanah by night, there is a withdrawal, but the next day, by the blowing of the shofar, and then onward through all the 10 days of Tshuva, which includes Rosh Hashanah, God's presence is very, 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 very strong. It doesn't only go to Yom Kippur, it really continues throughout Sukkot and Simchas Torah. We can literally touch Hashem. That's how tangible godliness is during that time. And every Jew is awakened. You know, even those who don't, we never see them in Shul all year long. They're back in Shul for El. This year, we're going to see that even more people are have been abstaining from coming to Shul because of COVID, because of the Corona and all that stuff. And um, when the real corona is going to happen, the crowning of, the, of Hashem, the shuls are going to be full again, I think. I mean, those who need to stay have stay home because truly a health concern after should speak to their local rabbi if that's what they need to do. But those that are just, you know, be staying back because they've gotten comfortable being home, um, so Rosh Hashanah is going to be a nice wake-up call to get everybody back to shul again. So, we, um, so what does that mean? That God tickles us, Hashem excites us from Rosh Hashanah onward in Tishrei. That means Vidodili, Hashem responds. But what is the Avoda, what is the month of El, is us making an effort, us reaching out to God, Anil Dodi. If so, the Rebbe asks the question, then why is the month of El called Anil Dodi Vidodili? The month of El should only be called El, and the Ul, which is Vidodili, should be already the next month, not in El. So we once talked about this already, we gave a class about it, and explained it one way, and this is another explanation. Very, 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 very powerful explanation. In the idea of why the full Anila Dodi Vidodi Ali, even though the second half doesn't manifest until the month of Tishrei, yet in the month of El, we have already a full Anila Dodi Vidodi Ali. I am to my beloved, including also my beloved is to me. Um, the gist of the answer, as we're going to see later, is because the Anila Dodi, even though there's no revelation yet, it's all our hard work, 
it is the cause, it is the, not just the cause, not just the, the root, it, it, it contains in it, in it already God's response. Because we're in this sense, I know it sounds crazy, but we in this sense are controlling Hashem. We are full control in this. In other words, God can't help it. There will have to be a vidodili. He'll have to respond to us. It's almost like he's being coerced in because through the anil vidodili, we reach so deep into him, we touch his essence. And automatically, when you touch the essence and you stir, if you can say stirring in the essence, then revelations will come from it. The vidodili is a revelation from God. If we stimulate the essence, if we, if we pull the essence, then we, if we trigger the essence, rather, I would rather use the word trigger, if we trigger the essence, then, then there is going to be, inevitably, there's going to be a vidodili. So in the triggering of the essence itself, we have already the full vidodili. But why do we trigger the essence um, in Elul? Uh, it's because Elul is our work. And there's nothing more precious to God than something that comes from us. Elul is not a time when we are, we can't help, we can't help but being moved. High holidays, you know, as we mentioned earlier, Jews that wouldn't, you know, generally, they just, Judaism doesn't speak to them all year last, something moves them to come to Shul. Not Rosh Hashanah, then they'll show up in Kol Nidre. not Kol Nidre, they'll come, they have to step in, even if it's just for five minutes. They have to step into a Shul, they have to come, they have to identify with their Judaism. Something is, something is, something is, is, there's a powerful attraction, that's what it is. There's a magnetic pull like no other time of the year. Because God is pulling you. Now that's fantastic. That's showing on the awesomeness. And obviously those that are more tuned in, those that are more programmed, those that are more involved in the month of Elul and all year long in general and more observant and more connected and more, will obviously respond in a much deeper way. It will be deeper. It will be more brighter. It will be uh, an, uh, an experience that's, that's on a much higher level than those that are just oblivious and just something is pulling them and pulls them to shul just for five minutes. Obviously, those that are tuning in will have a much greater revelation. But since whatever we will do on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur will be, um, will be in conjunction with divine revelation, and thereby as a consequence of God's reaching out to us, it will not be as meaningful to God and will not touch God, it will not trigger God in such a deep way, it can be very intense. We can be weeping and bawling and <laughs> crying our soul out uh, because of our yearning to be connected to Hashem. And obviously that resonates very high, but it will not resonate as high as our work right now, even if it's not so deep and even if it's not so, so, uh, so it's such, a, such an intense experience like we will experience between Rosh Hashanah, from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur and Sukkot. But now is when it's, it's, it's dependent on us. And, and whatever we do coming from us is, 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 is most pleasurable, most delightful, and most meaningful, most del- pleasurable, most delightful, most meaningful to God is anything that, that, that comes and stems from our, from our work. Um, now, it doesn't mean that God is not revealed in the month of Elul more than he is all the other times. Because we mentioned earlier that there's the 13 attributes of mercy. So the altar Rebbe answers this question. How, in other words, the question would be, why is it Anil Dodi? Why is it I am to my beloved? 
if it would seem like right in the beginning of the month of Elul, the gates of mercy are open, which means God's, God's countenance is flowing, is, is available. So the Alter Rebbe answers the question, we've discussed this many times, is that he gives a, he gives a metaphor. He says that, the, yes, the king is closer to us, much closer than all year long, but the king is in the field. King being in the field means that the king is not intimidating. That's the idea. When you come see a king, the king is intimidating. A king a triggers a response. It stimulates. It, 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 it forces a response. You can't be oblivious when you're standing in the palace. When you see all that magnificent and that royalty and it's all surrounding one human being and suddenly that the curtains part and you're face to face with the king, you can't help it by feeling tiny and small and it will bring you to a state of submission. It, it has to impact you. Um, especially as we're going to soon see if it's your king. Once it's established that this is your king, he's your majesty, and you're standing face to face, and the palace has such impact. When the king goes out into the field, the king removes that, that sense of, um, you know, all the perks are taken away. And the king is just there, dressed in ordinary clothing like a regular person. Um, so when you see the king in that state, the king is not intimidating, he's not, um, he's not forcing you to respond. If you appreciate the king deeply in, in your inner being and you realize this is the king, then you will take your time to get online to say hi. Um, but, but that's called a voluntary approach because, I mean, it is attractive to know that the king is in the field. That's a great thing. You can meet the king. But because the king is not, is not there with his entire entourage and with, that, with his crown and with his glory, it's, 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 it's left to our choice. Will you get online, will you go out to greet the king, or you won't go, go out to greet the king? You might, you can still say, yeah, yeah. I'm tired, I'm in the mood, I'm lazy, I have other things. It's too hot, the sun is out, it's too cold, it's raining, I don't know, whatever, whatever the excuses are. You have enough of an excuse to excuse it because he's not imposing himself upon you. So there is a volume. That's what it is the month of Elul. Here we go. It's already a week. Anybody realize that? It's already almost a week and now on. Where are we? Have we really, really, really made a deep dent in our life? Have we changed our daily living in the last five days? If you're like me and you haven't done yet, I have excuses. I was traveling. I'm on a plane. I'm on a this. I'm on a, I have a million excuses. But did I really change my life in the last couple of days? Do I want to? Yes. Did I say it's, it would be nice to do so? Yes. But I didn't do it yet. I can tell you that. And, and this happens to me. It's sad. That's why I'm talking about it. It happens to me every year because by the time it comes, like you say, yeah, yeah, I'm just gonna start. I'm just gonna finish doing this and finish doing that before you know what it's slichas and before you know what it, it's a day. It's erev Rosh Hashanah. You have one more day that the king is in the field. So it's not. It's not a joke. It's not something that we should we should um, delay. But the very fact that it's so difficult to get ahead and go ahead and do it. Why? Because it's not yet the high holidays, we all feel we've got time, and it's like, you know. Um, that itself makes it so precious, because whatever we will do will be, will, will be done voluntarily. Now the question is over here. So once we understand the mechanics of the month of Elul, um, the, the question then becomes, what exactly is the Avod of Elul? What, what do we have to do? So the first question is, is it, is it a an avoda of a fear, or is it an avoda of love? There is the traditional Elul. Traditional Elul that the Jewish people have always known. 
and that's the one of hello, you know, you got there's a day of judgment coming, and you got to get your act together because who knows what, you know, it's a, it's 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 a month before your court case, and there's all those threatening talks. You can find that in all the writings of Musa, and they're all absolutely truth. But Hasidus introduced the Alter Rebbe when he gave the king in the field, and the Alter Rebbe doesn't just say the king in the field. He describes that the king is in the happiest mood. As so we have to know that in the month of El, God is not only in the field, he's not angry at us. He is waiting in anticipation that we should come out to meet him. That means that we should become more godly people. We should acknowledge God in our lives and be more connected to him. Be more, come more God conscious. That's what it means to greet the king. As we'll see soon, even deeper than that, what that means, greeting the king. But, um, and the Alter Rebbe says that the way God relates to us is that when we come over to him, he is, he is, he is, uh, he receives us. The words he uses, he receives us, makablam, save upon him the office. He receives us with a very pleasant countenance. You go over to someone and they show you a face that they're happy that you came to see them. That's one thing. You look at them, you see that they're pleased. They're not nervous, they're not upset, they're not in a bad mood. They're, and therefore, they're very approachable. Then he goes even further than that, the Alter Rebbe says, that the king is actually intending to show you that he is smiling. Now, it's one thing to watch and see a person standing, and you see that he's in a good mood. So if you want to ask them something, if you want to, you know, if, you're, if you feel that you're not apologize or whatever it is that this person, you feel that you've wronged them or whatever it is, you know, it's a good moment. But it's another thing when they're seeking you out from the distance and they're smiling to you. They're showing you their laughing face. Not just a smile, a laughing face. That means that they're so open and they're so excited that you're coming. So now that gives you whatever you need to give you the extra encouragement to go over and make amends and, and make promises and get closer to the king. So the Alta Rebbe then metaphor, but this marshal, but this just a metaphor, just an amazing metaphor, even though today's day is a little distance because we don't really have kings, Still, there's just if we can put ourselves in our mind and really think about this. So he changed around the entire month of Elul. Yesterday I heard from Rabbi Yossi Paltiel, and I was on the plane, and I was looking for, through my phone of what I can listen to because um, the Wi-Fi wasn't working, and I was looking, and I found downloaded, because when I did a trip across America, I downloaded a bunch of classes. So Rabbi Yossi Paltiel has amazing hi history classes on Hasidus. So I listened to one of the classes, and it was all about the Mizritcha Magid. And over there, he, he opened the class by saying that the Mizritch Magid used to say, before he would start saying Torah, he would first open up a book of Musr. He would read a passage of Musr. He, his, his teachings were Hasidus. He would reach a, a passage of Musr, and then he would close the book of Musr, and he would say, Come and hear the advantage of light over darkness. That Hasidus is light compared to darkness. Now, Musa, not putting down Musa bad, nothing about bad. It's just compared to Hasidus, which is the inner light of Torah. Musa is considered dark. It's darkness. It's, it's, it's heavy. It's, it's burdensome. You know, a person can go and be, you know, you have choices. I'm talking to my YouTube audience. I'm going to make, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just a little tired, so I'm saying funny things. But okay, it's okay. In any case, I'm going to give myself a plug. On YouTube, with a lot of rabbis, so you can listen to a lot of stuff. Um, 
you can live through a lot, you can listen to a lot of morbid stuff. A lot of people tell you all about the big fires of hell that are awaiting you. And they're telling you, they're telling you the truth. And you know what, they are telling you the truth. Because if you learn about hell, then that's what you think about, and that's what you create for yourself. So it's not like, you know, oh, telling me about hell is not true. No, if they want to listen to that, then that becomes your reality. Then chas v'shalom, no and then there are those who teach Hasidus. I'm one of those who teach Hasidus. I don't have any space in me for Musa. It never spoke to me. It doesn't resonate with me and whatever. Maybe in my previous Gilgal, I was a preacher. In my previous incarnation, I was a Musa preacher. Uh, maybe I've been there and done that. I, I have an aversion to it. I can't hear it. I can't deal with it. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying it's not true. It just is not, it doesn't, it doesn't attract me. And what talks to me is Hasidus. So, Hasidus is light over darkness. It's a different reality. It speaks to a different dimension of the, of, of the person. It doesn't speak to the, to, the, to, the, to the, I don't know. It speaks to your deeper soul. And so, the Magid used to say, So, I'm saying this because the month of El, according to Hasidus, is full of light, full of mercy, full of joy. The Rebbe, the Rebbe would always answer, and almost so many letters, constantly, Melech Pesad, the king is in the field, the king is in the field. It lifts you up, it doesn't put you down, it doesn't tell you you're bad, you're sinful, you're dark. It, it, it puts you in such a great, and the king is laughing and he's smiling. What about a different Elul? And, and, and it's consistent with the concept of Ani Lododi, Lododi Ni. The word Ani Lododi, I am to my beloved, and my beloved is to me. My beloved, just referring to God as my beloved, is indicating love. So what does that show you? The month of El is a time when we're supposed to develop our love for Hashem. It's a very romantic month. That's what it is. On the other hand, on the other hand, we know that um, what do we do in El? One of the minhagim that we do in El is that we blow the shofar every day. From the first day of El until the day before Rosh Hashanah, one day we stop, but until the 28th day of El, besides Shabbos, we blow shofar every day. And the Torah says the reason why we do that is because it's, the sound of the shofar causes a tremble. And we want to tremble before. And he brings the Pasuk, you talk about shofar, if you blow shofar, it causes a chalada, it causes a dread. And we want that to cause a dread, that what? That Rosh Hashanah is coming and we have to do tshuva. Now a dread means fear. Now fear is a good thing. You're supposed to serve Hashem with fear as well. Yeah, love and fear. To serve Hashem only with love doesn't work. We're supposed to have fear. All there's different levels of fear. The lowest level is a fear of punishment. That's when I mentioned earlier. That's what I was more or less negating. I mean, by the way, it says if nothing else is going to do it for you but fear of punishment, then you got to do it. It's a necessity. If you have to be afraid of the punishment because or else you can't control yourself, or one can't control himself then you need Musa. You need to have and speak about punishments and all that stuff. Keep yourself in check. But obviously that's not the advisable way of serving God. But we still need fear. Even if you have the greatest love, you'll always need fear. But a higher level of fear. What kind of fear? So there's levels of fear. There's, there's in general, it's two levels of fear. It's called Yirat Tata, the lower fear. And then there's Yirat Allah, the higher fear. The higher fear. But whatever it is, and we're going to speak about those two levels of fear a little sooner this year. But whatever it is, <coughs> a Jew uh, in the month of El is supposed to have a sense of fear. That's where we're blowing shofar. So now it's a little confusing. What's El? Is it a time of shofar, dread, and awe? Or is it a time of love? Which one is it? 
So the Hasidic explanation on this is as follows. That, um, going back to what we said earlier, that on Elo, the, the requirement is Aninidodi. God wants us to make the first step. And, and even though he does, because without him doing, we can't do anything, so he really does the first step, but he does his first step very, 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 very quietly. It's almost like he tiptoes into our life and notifies us through the holy books that he's there. And if we make an, a, an effort to see him, we will experience his presence in a way that's not intimidating. But the main point is that he's not intimidating. And the reason for that is because he will allow us to volunteer our relationship. Our closeness to him is coming based on what we decide we want. He's giving us the options. And why is that? Because he wants us to move first. And for that's the reason the Rebbe explains, very Gavaldic, that is the reason why Elul is primarily, first, the primary element of the month of El is an element of fear and awe. Because there is a difference between love and fear. Love is rooted in the beloved. What do we mean? When you love someone, the root of that love is because they are lovable. Unless it's a love of, a, of an essential kind of a love, where you're loving someone because they're part of you. For example, when you love a child, you love your child because they're you. And obviously that applies to your relationship with God as well, that you love Hashem because Hashem is you and you're Hashem and so on and so forth. You have this deep connection. I know that. But generally, on the more, on the more outer level, layer of existence of consciousness, the element of loving God or loving anything is because you appreciate the beauty, the greatness, the qualities of the one that you're loving. Every friendship, for instance, when you love someone, you get close to someone, someone is meaningful to you and you're attracted to them, you're attracted to them because they're special, or you find them special. And that's why you, want to, you, you, you seek their friendship, you seek their love, you seek the relationship. So, in a sense, we are saying that you're loving because you're being compelled to love. Now, let me explain that. You're not really compelled to love anybody because you don't have to get close to anybody and make yourself know their qualities. So you can choose to ignore people, meaning, I don't mean ignore and be nasty, but ignore and, and just remain to yourself and not look in and examine and, 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 and make yourself familiar with someone. And if you don't do that, then they can be the most incredible person. Uh, and uh, you know, sometimes you have like this tzaddik or a great individual who lives somewhere and they have like so many followers and a person who's a next door neighbor and they're oblivious to it. They choose not to expose themselves to the greatness of this man who's their neighbor that is so lovable, has so many fans, or I'm talking about uh, whatever, because you decide not to get to know them. But if you allow that person into your consciousness, which means if you allow their light, whatever light they have, if you allow their light and you open up your blinds and you allow their, their light to shine into your window, into the window of your soul, into your window of your consciousness, and then become into the window of your mind and become aware of the qualities that they have, then you can't help but love them because they deserve to be loved. So that, that, so that means that it's not really you. So if in terms of God, when we're loving Hashem, and why do we love Hashem? Because God's qualities. Because He's the great God, magnificent, created the whole world, and is so awesome, and He's given me so much goodies, and so many wonderful things, including life, and all the other good stuff of life, and therefore I can't help but love Hashem.
So it's not really ani ledodi, I am to my beloved. It's more vidodi li, my beloved is to me, because he is so wonderful and he per, and he, he compels the love onto myself. So again, you could say to a certain degree it's ani, because the very fact that you took the time to study him and to familiarize with him, and only then will you love Hashem, but still it's not really you. Okay? Not really, to the full truth it's not you. Fear is different. Fear is more you. They will say, why? All the same idea. When you fear someone, it's because they are fearsome. Or they are, I, I'm going to use a word, but I, I don't mean it the way it is usually used. I'm not, not the California meaning of awesome. I mean the deep meaning of awesome. Awesome. Someone who, who strikes awe because of their truly uh, exaltedness and greatness, real, real greatness, that they're awe-striking. When you meet them, you're just, you're dumbfound of their greatness, and you, and, you, and, and you feel tiny and small and insignificant, and it's not like you're drawn to them, you just, you're, 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 you, you get pushed back because of their, the greatness of who they are causes you to, to recede. That's the all. So that's, again, of course, dependent on of the person you're fearing. So why would that be yours? So the answer over here is we're talking about a very unique kind of a fear. We're talking about the fear that's a fear of a king. A fear of a king is established primarily on the fact, we're not talking about just a fear of a great person. The fear of someone because you are, because they're your king, because they're a king. So when you fear someone because they're a king, so there's like this. There's the awesomeness of someone, and that can be whether they're your king or they're not your king. It's just a king. If you meet the king of, uh, I don't know, or you meet the king of England, the queen of England, I don't know. I've never been in her presence to tell you how awe-stricken I would be. But if you meet someone, right? I might be taken by the fact of the stature of this person. This is a very, very important person. They're, again, today's days we're dealing with monarchy that doesn't really have much power. Maybe in some third world countries where they do have power. But if you can imagine meeting the Tsar of Russia or meeting the German Kaiser or meeting the, uh, the, the, the English king way back then when they truly did have power. So even if you're not one of their subjects, you're still awed by their greatness. But it's a different type of a fear. If one of their own constituents or one of their subjects meet them, it's a whole different level of fear. It's the power that they have on you and how you're completely in their hands. Everything. They can do good to you, God forbid, harm. It's not so much that you're fearing their punishment, you're fearing their, their power. That kind of a fear will only be if that king is your king. And in order for someone to be your king, it's because you have accepted them. Okay, I know sometimes, I mean, most people who lived in kingdoms throughout all of history, um, it wasn't their choice. They were born in, into, you were born a French citizen, and therefore you had to deal with the French king. And you were born in Russia, and whether you, you didn't choose the czar. Okay, but we're talking fundamentally the concept of kingship, where a king was chosen by the people, that's a real meaning of kingship. The people choose their king. According to Torah, that's the idea. The people choose their king. We, the Jewish people, selected King David to be our king. Solomon was already appointed, already kind of an inheritance. But David Amalek was appointed, we spoke about last week, 
You choose your king. Once you choose the king and you've established this person as your king, as your boss, then you have a tremendous fear in their presence. Now, example for that. Does anybody have an example? We don't really, but we do have an example for that. Perhaps it would be um, you meet a tzaddik. It can be a great rebbe from thousands of chassidim, a great rabbi who has thousands of followers. And you are intimidated in their presence. I felt that many times I've been around by tzaddikim. But it's a whole different story, the fear and the awe, when this is your rebbe. This is your rebbe. Meaning you have submitted yourself to their authority and their power to be the, they're your leader and you're going to do whatever they tell you to do. So in that sense, it's, it's, a whole, the, it's, a whole different, it's a whole different connection. And the fear is so much deeper and so much more all-consuming, if I should say. It's a real deep, complete fear and surrender and bittal. That is rooted in the fact that you chose them. So then the fear comes out, that, and the same applies to Hashem. When you choose God as your king, then you really fear Him. I don't know if people think about that a lot. Sometimes we, we wonder, why do I fear God? Why do I fear God? The question is, did you ever choose Him? Which means that you ever submit yourself in a very sincere, real way. God, you created the entire world. You're the master of the universe. And you are my king. And I'm your subject. You're my, I'm in your hands. And I am committed to satisfying you. To making you happy. And if you do that, and if, if we do that in a deep, real, sincere, true way, then we, will, then we fear God. Then we will feel the fear and the awe. And that is why the month of Elul requires, that's why fundamentally to the month of Elul, the foundation of the month of Elul is the, 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 the bedrock of the month is, is Yeras Hashem, fear of God. Of Hashem. And um, on the fear, we're soon going to see we have to build love. You can't just leave it in fear. Because as we said earlier, El has love as well. But we're going to see what the place of the love is. But that's, that's secondary. That's the second movement. In other words, if we want to know what's the elementary, what do I start with? What, what should I start with today? Tomorrow. Tomorrow morning. I listen to this class tonight. And I'm going to say Shema before bedtime, Shema before I go to sleep, do a little bit kind of reshifting or reorienting my mind. And I wake up in the morning, I want to be a new person. I want to spend the next little bit over three weeks of the month of Elul in proper preparation for Rosh Hashanah. So what do I work on first? Work on first is to fear Hashem. And how will I fear Hashem? Is that I acknowledge and I accept and I, we constantly say it by blessings, Melech Olam, you're the king of the world, but you're our Malkinu, you're our king. I accepted you as my king. You are my king, which means you are complete boss and control over me, and I'm completely devoted to you and to your will. And that casts the fear. And that's why, since the month of Elul is about our work, it has to be based on us, and therefore it's, it's, it's the service of fear over the service of love. Now, even more fundamental to that, fear is an emotion. And not necessarily will a person feel the emotion of fear immediately. You can't tell me that just because I'm accepting God as my king, 
I will be sensitive enough to start actually my heart will skip a beat and I'll fear him. By the way, this is a kosher good fear. It's not a bad fear. It's not a, it's not a, we're not dealing over here with something. Some people are very scared of the word fear and uh, fear is, becomes a, like a, a, a forbidden word. This is, the, this is a good fear. This is a right fear, a correct fear. And people like to say, no, no, let's replace it with awe. Yeah, it's a fear that comes from an awe, but it has to translate it literally into a fear, which actually, one, it's a healthy thing to tremble before God, literally to shiver and to tremble. Now, obviously, for most people, that's not going to happen. It doesn't happen, I don't know about you, but it hasn't happened to me that I should tremble. And tzaddikim, yeah, they tremble. That the Balshemtov, his tzitzis would tremble before God. Uh, if he would stand next to, I think, what does it say? The table would tremble. I forgot already the, the, the actual uh, phrase, but tzaddikim really feel it. But... Um, but, but again, fear of Hashem, which is fundamental in the month of Elul, is secondary to something even before that. And I mentioned that before, and that is the acceptance as your king. In other words, making ourselves conscious and aware, or not just making ourselves, accepting, just accepting truthfully and honestly, Hashem, my life is not my own life, I'm not here to live my life to do my thing. I'm here in my life to serve you because you're my master. You're my king. And, but, and here's the, here's the, 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 it's not an easy king because in the sense that the king who's way far away in the palace is not going to bother me. It's very easy to, 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 to devote yourself to a king that you're never going to see. No, this is a king who's actually in your bedroom as well. He's a king who's everywhere. That's the, that's the difficulty in it, right? Accepting him as a king means there's no monkey business. He is my king and he begins that he's everywhere. That means I have to comply with his will. That means I have to live my life according to the code of law. If I'm Jewish, I have to keep the, the Jewish law. If I'm not Jewish, I have to keep the seven Noahid laws with all of its details. That means a lot of, a lot of restrictions, a lot of not doing what I want to do, and a lot of, a lot of, actions that maybe I'm not in the mood of doing, but I do them anyways because God is expecting them from me. He commanded me, and therefore I have to do so. The very acceptance, even if you don't feel, even if it doesn't cause a sense of tremble and awe and fear, it's also considered already going out to greet the king. Going out to greet the king means affirming that he's our king. Meeting him. Meeting him means becoming, meeting God. God is everywhere. Meaning becoming more conscious of his presence. Becoming more conscious of God's presence and his authority. You know, one can have a God that's all very, 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 very beautiful and wonderful and, and good, but leave me alone. You know, I do my thing and I love God because he's nice to me and, and wonderful and I do nice things for Hashem also. And then you can be a good person and do a lot of nice things and consider yourself a freelancer that is going to donate to God. It's like, you know, you have, I have my life, I have my business, I have my stuff. God, whenever you need something, I love you so much, you can call on me. If I have some extra time, I'll do something for you. That's, again, that's freelancing. That's not a servant. A servant means you don't belong to yourself. We don't belong to ourselves. We belong. We're here as servants to our master. Think about that. Think about that, what it takes to say that truthfully to Hashem. 
that I, I mean, we say when we take out the Sefer Torah, I am the servant of God. That means when you schedule your day, you're scheduling it not based on what I want to do, but what God needs me to do or wants me to do or asks me to do. How do you know? Find out. Well, not every spare minute, one has to learn Torah. They give tzedakah all the time. And do help as many people as you can all the time, constantly serving, constantly serving. It's not an easy. <laughs> God is not an easy boss. He demands pretty demanding. Okay, obviously, it doesn't mean that we're going to change our entire life and existence immediately because then you're not real. You, you have to take into consideration that you're also, you know, where you're at. But the fact that this, but it, but, it, but it definitely requires serious change in our life when we become conscious. And I'm not dismissing small things. Small things are very important, but we need to make big changes as well. I mean, and it's obviously, you start with the big, you're never going to do anything. Start with small. But the idea is that it, 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 it's, it's, it's more than just an inspiration. It's a fundamental shift in our, in, our, in, our, in our experience of self, of who am I? Am I just me? And I have my life? And what's for lunch? And, what, and then you want to do a few other things? Or is it the burning question? You know, what am I here for? What is God ex- expecting of me? And, de- and demanding of me? And demanding of me. And more than that, and commending me. Oh, that is... Ex- now, 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 if you will fear, that's even better. Because the, the complete sign to accept his kingship completely, it says Rashi last week, you should take upon yourself a king. Rashi says, what does it mean the words put upon you the king? I mentioned, I emphasized it last week from the Kliyakar, is that the idea that you feel very that his fear is upon you it is incom- the idea of having a king means that you literally fear him so yes to completely accomplish this elementary stage is it's that it should be accompanied by fear if you can't get to the fear but at least you're acknowledging kingship and you're accepting the king and you're, you, what, you're doing what it says what the Alter Rebbe says, he says, in the month of Ella, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to go out in, into the field. Because the king is in the field, we're going out into the field. Going out into the field means you go out of your mindset. Going out of where? What are we going out? We're going out into the park. I did a video the other day, actually from a park. Because the king is in the field, I went to the park. But obviously that's symbolic. I, that's not Going out to the field doesn't mean you run to the park, to the swings. Going out to the field means you go out of your normals self. We, we live so much in a certain carved out self. Where we're occupied with being comfortable. That's what we're doing. We're occupied taking care of ourselves. And here it's not taking ARMs, it's taking care of my master. What is my master? Again, it's that fundamental cons, uh, a conscious shift. And that needs to be accomplished in L. That's fundamental. Why? If you, why can't I start with love? Love is great. But love, again, there's more to say about this, but this is just one angle of it. The reason you can't start with love in the month of El because it's not Ani Lododi. Love is from God to you, not from you. You have to first accept Him as your King. And that acceptance, it's all in that acceptance. You, I don't mean you, I mean me too. It's all in that acceptance. Accepting Hashem as our King is, the, is elementary. Now, once God is accepted as a King, now we must gradually move into 
recognizing the beauty of that king, the majesty of this king, the, 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 um, the qualities of this king, and opening ourselves up, not just to cringe in his presence, but to feel an attraction to him. And that too is very much the avod of Elohim, and that will help us, because once we acknowledge the king, then we will, now, once you made the Amir Dodi, you could have a little bit, even though the real Vidodi, as I said earlier, only happens in Tishrei, but the little bit of it, you can allow his pleasant countenance and his laughing face to draw you in. To draw you in. By drawing you in, and you say, wow, not only I have a king that I love, it's very important now to introduce the love. Why? Because there is a destination. The destination of the month of Elul is Rosh Hashanah. This is a stepping stone to Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is the destination. Rosh Hashanah in the entire month of Tishrei. Now, in order to go from where you're standing in the month of Elul, the acceptance of God as king, to Rosh Hashanah, and to the proper service of Hashem on Rosh Hashanah, we need to elevate the Elul into love. You can't let the Elul remain only in fear and acceptance of the Yoke Heaven, because then you're missing that step, which will allow you to lift yourself up from Elul into Tishrei to a higher state. So what exactly is it that what is it that we're looking for in the month of Tishrei so that Elul is going to be that stepping, that stepping, that step, stepping stool, if we can call, to get up. But the love is going to provide that, that, um, that assistance. So the idea is as follows. So I mentioned at the beginning that we blow shofar in the month of Elul. But we also know that the real mitzvah blowing shofar is in the month of Rosh Hashanah, is in the month of Tishrei, in the first day of the month in Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah we blow shofar. So, um, what is the difference between Rosh Hashanah blowing and Elul blowing? So, obvious difference is Rosh Hashanah, you have an obligation to hear the shofar. On, on the month of Elul, it's a minhag, it's a custom. That's obviously. Um, and then Rosh Hashanah, we obviously we do a whole bunch of blowing. We blow a hundred sounds. And in Elo, we only do a couple of sounds. Some shuls only do four sounds. It's our custom, Chabad custom, to do ten sounds on Elo. But, but let's really look into the, the, the content of that blowing and the impact that it has on the soul. All these things are supposed to move us. How does it move us? So it says like this, the Tzemach said that gives two explanations of why we blow shoifer in the month of Elul. Two explanations. Both of them explain that the month of Elul is a preparation for Rosh Hashanah, and therefore the blowing of the shofar in the month of Elul prepares us for Rosh Hashanah. But what is, in, in what constitutes that preparation. For what are we preparing for Rosh Hashanah? For what element of Rosh Hashanah? So the first explanation of the Tzemach Tzedek is as follows. He says, by the blowing of the shofar of Rosh Hashanah, we experience the sound of the shofar evokes fear. When we hear the shofar in Rosh Hashanah, we experience the ultimate level of fear of God. What's called Yira Ilah, the higher fear, or sometimes referred to as Yirat Haromamos, it's the fear of God's exaltedness. In other words, we at that moment experience the highest and deepest level of fear of Hashem. The sound of the shofar just penetrates our soul, opens us up 
to experience the real, complete nullification in front of God. The nullification that comes when we experience the higher fear. Now, between me and you, all of us, do we all feel this consciously? No, but obviously this is where we're supposed to be, and probably on some subconscious level, and now in Hashem, we're all there. May Hashem help us this year, we should really feel this. It's a very, very, very true feeling. It's finally a moment of truth. That's called Yiras Arayimimus. We'll talk about the difference. We'll get to that in a minute, elaborate on it, but just want to, the, just the, the, the idea is that on Rosh Hashanah, we experience the high fear. But since this is a very high level of fear, we can't come to this fear unless we first experience the lower fear. Because it, it's, it's step by step. It's a gradual ascent. So the month that the Tzemach Tzedek says, the month of Elul is the sound of the shofar for 28 days or whatever, is introducing the lower fear. Shofar causes a tremble. It says so in the Pesach. If a, if a shofar will be blown in the city of Amlo Yechradu and the people won't tremble, shofar introduces a tremble. It's only that on, on, on the month of Elul, it's a lower form of trembling, the lower fear. On Rosh Hashanah, it's the higher fear. And being that you can't get to the higher fear without the lower fear. So we have a whole month of instilling the lower fear so we can move to the higher fear. Okay, that's one explanation of the Tzemach Tzedek. Second explanation of the Tzemach Tzedek. Why the blowing of shofar during Rosh Hashanah, sorry, during the month of Elul is so core fundamental. And he explains. Because it causes a tremble. But this time he doesn't emphasize so much the fear. He emphasizes the the brokenness. The fear breaks us. The, the general state of a human being is to be inflated with self-importance. That's the way it is. There's a certain arrogance that we all, we all experience by just being ourselves and being busy all day long with ourselves causes us to become very, very, uh, very obsessed with, with ourselves. And we become very big in our own eyes because that's what we serve all day long. Can I serve you some soup? Can I give you some sushi? <laughs> Can I give you a good pillow, two pillows, comfortable bed? Can I sit in the most comfortable seat in the room? I'm too hot now. Can I make myself a little more comfortable and turn on the air or go to a place that's a little cooler? Mm, can I serve you some ice cream? <laughs> it's like, you know, all day long we're busy serving this king of self. So obviously, and then we're, you know, can I make you some money? Can I make you even more money? Can I make sure you get a nice aliyah and show that they respect you? I don't know, with all the other things that we're constantly looking out for, number one, which is ourselves. That is the... That's the natural state of a human being if we don't do something, and obviously some people more, some people have more of a tendency for self-inflation and self-importance. Some people are naturally a little more um, lowlier in their own eyes. But generally, if we do not do something to, to uh, what we call a smackdown, we don't work on, on diminishing that ego, it inflates. The sound of the shofar of Elo that trembles says, "Ay, it's not good. It's not good." And it's it each time it's like a it's like a crush. It like crushes and cracks the self. It cracks the self. 
And but you get 29 cracks every day. Crack, another crack, crack, you know. And every day, hopefully, by the time you blow show for the next day, you haven't recovered from the previous crack completely. There's a little bit left over. Even though during the day, you forget the sound of the shofar. And again, again, why do you crack? Because the sound of the shofar says, it's, oh, I'm not the way I should be. Oh, this that I, have, I think so highly of myself. I'm like the greatest gift to humanity. I'm this awesome being. Ugh, I'm not the way I should be. Just that thought, I'm not the way. I need to improve. I'm not. I'm, uh, uh, that itself cracks the ego. And the crack, 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 by the time the Rosh Hashanah comes, there's quite a bit of cracks over there. And then a person is standing in the state of a broken heart. And that's what we want to be. We want to be lowly in the state of Rosh Hashanah. You want to be, all of us, we want to be in a state of a humility, of a deep inner humility and a brief, broken spirit. What for? Why is it so important on Rosh Hashanah to be small, not big? The answer is because Rosh Hashanah is the first day of the 10 days of repentance. So the main idea of Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, these are days of forgiveness. God will forgive us. Forgiving doesn't only mean that he doesn't bear a grudge against us. Forgiveness also means that, number one, we repair all the damage in our soul and all the damage in the spiritual worlds that we might have, God forbid, wrecked. Being that we, especially as Jews, were very deeply connected to the highest places. And, God, and all of our actions has huge cosmic impact above would cause a big wreckage. It's very embarrassing. The fact that we don't know about it is like helps us. You know, the worst part of, of, of the punishment, so to speak, in the other world is not, people talk about hell, uh, it's not a fire. The worst part of it is the pain of knowing the mess that you've caused and the, and the shame and the uh, uh, inability to live with the fact that you've, that, that you've, I mean, we've, we all cause. When we do things that we shouldn't, we, we cause big wreckages above. Imagine if someone found out what kind of toxic, you know, destruction. He dropped a nuclear bomb somewhere and destroyed who knows what. You know, when you know the damage, you after the soul leaves the body, it goes to survey, it goes to, to, to uh, survey, what is it called? Uh, to, do a, uh, yeah, to survey the damage, to see what, what it did. It feels very ashamed. Ashamed, ashamed of all the other souls, ashamed of itself, ashamed in front of God. Like, what, what have I done? So, but thank God that we have every year 10 days of repair. So we repair all the damage, everything. In our neshama and above, everything gets repaired. That's number one. Number two, it's one thing to the damage, but there's another thing. Every neshama has, has, has a quota that it needs to fill in terms of godly light that it needs to bring into the world, godly presence. We have such power to bring so much godliness into the world. But obviously, that the amount that Hashem has allotted to us in the days of our life, every day is supposed to be filled with mitzvahs and good deeds. And without laziness and without carelessness, and when, we, when, when we are very, very driven and very, very mission-oriented and mission-conscious and fully aware and constantly doing the right thing, we can so much... we. We could contribute. And God expects all that contribution from every person. If God forbid we didn't do it because of a lack of enthusiasm, because of a lack of uh, excitement, because of depression, because of laziness, because of mindlessness, because of distraction, because we were busy doing all the other stuff. Like if we really start thinking about this, it's very frightening. Forget about the damage. It's all the good we could have done that we don't do. 
that too needs to be repaired in the 10 days. Tshuva fills all the gaps. That's the beauty of tshuva. It fills all the gaps. How does tshuva do that? How does tshuva fill and repair all the gaps that a person has in their service and rectify all the, all, all, all the, all the destruction? And the answer is, you know, you ever see a kid by the beach, he's making a, uh, he's making, he has a, a, digs a hole, digs a hole, digs a deep hole, a nice hole. And at the sand, he's digging, him and his brothers and his sisters, they're digging and digging and digging. Then, okay, they got already a nice hole, what do they do now? They go running to the water, they fill up a pail with water and they start pouring it in. They want to fill their little uh, cistern that they made over there with water. They're going and they're going and they're pouring in, you know, when you pour water, a lot of the water gets absorbed. So it doesn't, the time they run and they bring more water, it's already absorbed. They come back, they don't see the water. But finally, they're able to put enough in that it's beginning to like, and they're working for half an hour, 45 minutes, they're bringing pails and they set up a whole assembly line. The pail is going back and the set pail is coming and they're bringing water and they're filling it, ah, 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 halfway there. Suddenly, suddenly, Without any warning, a big wave comes in, and it's like a high tide. Thank God, it doesn't sweep them away. Yeah? The water comes in, and then the water back, and one second, the, water, the thing is full. What took pails and pails and pails, two hours of work, is now suddenly all filled in a second because one big wave came in. That's exactly what tshuva is. Tshuva elicits the big wave. Torah and mitzvahs all years long is going with a pail to draw water. It's like it says by Rivka, Kada, she filled her jug. When she was going up and down, she went down to the water and drug. And it actually says that Kada is spelled Chav Dalet. Chav Dalet is the 24 books of the Torah, of the Tanakh, which is the root of all the mitzvahs. That means all the mitzvahs are really just a pail. It's a pail that we're taking from the waters of, God, of the Ain Sof, the waters of godliness, and we're bringing it into the world. Uh, it's huge. Every mitzvah is huge because that pale is enormous what we can accomplish. But it still doesn't come close to the massive tsunami wave that one can trigger when one does tshuva. And in the 10 days of tshuva is when we have to reach that tsunami wave. Now in the words of the Kabbalist, the tsunami wave represents the idea of the or hamakif, the encompassing light. There is an or pnimi, there is an internal light, which is like the light that goes into the pale, which means individual lights, individual energies of the divine, which are, which are connected to every mitzvah that we do. Each mitzvah has its effect on a different kind of container with a different energy, different light. And then there is one singular light emanating from an infinitely higher place where the lights of Hashem have not been contracted, have not been controlled, have not been adjusted yet. And when you can elicit from there one powerful revelation of God himself, so to speak, of that light of Hashem's limitlessness, in one second, it comes pouring in. We have to believe this. This is 100% true. That even if we mess up so much during the year, literally, even if we mess up so much during the year, even if we cause so much wreckage, and even if we cause so much, we've been so negligent and lacking, it's never an excuse, God forbid to say, oh, wait, because we know if we say we're going to sin and do tshuva, then it doesn't work. But, you know, most of the time we're sinning, we're not thinking about God. We're making mistakes because we're not thinking, because we're thinking about other things. But it comes the 10th back. We can do tshuva anytime. 
But on the 10 days of Truva is when we really need to evoke this powerful light. And in, literally, the, the Zohar says, in one instant, we can fill the entire, everything, whatever we were supposed to accomplish an entire year. Even whatever you were supposed to accomplish an entire lifetime, you can draw down in one, one powerful tug, one powerful yank. That's the idea. That's called drawing the Ur Makif. So it's explained in Chasidus that the Ur Makif only comes when there's brokenness. Pasuk says so. It says, Hashemayim, Hashem says, Hashemayim, the heavens, Kisi is my throne. Va'aretz and the earth, Hadom Ragli is my footstool. That means if you provide for me a heaven, I will put, I will sit on it. If you for provide for me earth, I will put my feet down on it. How do you provide God a heaven? How do you provide God earth? So the Alter Rebbe explains that Torah is called a heaven. By learning Torah, you're providing a spiritual heaven, and God can re- sit down on your heaven that you've created for Him. By doing a mitzvah, mitzvahs of earth, mitzvah engages more the material things of the earth. When you do a mitzvah, you provide God with an earth where He can put His feet down. Throne and feet; these are relate to a body. So when God is already, in a, so to speak, in a form of a body, which means, as we spoke earlier, always bekelem lights in vessels. That Torah and mitzvahs can draw. But then the Pasuk says, Ezehu bias. What's the house? If you want to build for me a house, not just a, a, a throne or a, or a footstool. You want to build a house. What's a house? A house is where the entire person lives. And a house also represents an urmakif, an encompassing power. It's just like a house surrounds a person. What does it take? The Abishta says, I'll say, ah, but this is what I'm looking for. Al-Ani, a poor man, and a broken spirit. So we spend an entire month of Elul hearing the sound of shofar. Every day we get another crush to our ego. Every day we break our heart a little more. By the time we come to Rosh Hashanah, we have a splintered ego, and we stand humbly before Hashem. And that humility that we feel in Rosh Hashanah is what opens us up to be for the for the for the or makif. It conditions us for the Ur Makif, or even stimulates the Ur Makif to come down and, and fill and complete anything that has been lacking in our avod. That's the idea of, that's the idea of um, a second reason that Zemach Tzadik says why we blow Shoifer in the month of El. Pretty awesome. But the interesting thing is, the interesting thing is, he says that the, the humility and the broken heart which draws the Urmakif, this encompassing light down, is not the blowings of the shofar of Rosh Hashanah. It's the blowing of the, of the, of the shofar in the month of Elul. Meaning his first explanation that he gave earlier was, that the blowing of the shofar brings the lower fear. And the lower fear introduces us to the sound of the shofar of Rosh Hashanah, which instills the higher fear. So then it's the sound of the shofar of Rosh Hashanah that brings the higher fear. But according to this explanation, the sound of the shofar in the month of El causes a broken heart. And the broken heart itself of El is what is creates 
the atmosphere and creates the setting, not for the shofar of Rosh Hashanah, for the tshuva that comes in, on, for the 10 days of tshuva to affect the Ur-Makif to come down. Without, doesn't even mention the blowing of the shofar of Rosh Hashanah. So what it seems to imply that it's Dafka the broken heart from the shofar of Elul over the fear and dread of Rosh Hashanah, which we need to understand why. We would think that the fear, since it's the higher fear, it's so much stronger. It's like this is a little jolt and this is huge. So the sound of the shofar Rosh Hashanah, which instills a more, far more deeper fear, should have more effect and bitter and brokenheartedness. But what does the Tzemach say? It's the month of Elul that does it. So the explanation is as follows. And this will lead us to the understanding of why we need the love. The truth is we can already explain now why we need the love, but we, 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 let's do that now so we'll fill this in. So, this, so before we complete this thought, let's go back a moment now. We said earlier that um, the lower fear of Rosh Hashanah has to lead us to the higher fear in the month of Elul. In we know that true, and without the lower fear, you can't get to the higher fear. But the rungs of the ladder is really three rungs. The higher fear of Rosh Hashanah is the fourth rung. There are four levels. Lower fear, lower love, higher love, and higher fear. That's the way it works. Two levels of love and two levels of fear. We'll explain the difference between the two fears in a few, in a, in a few moments. I'm not going to get into the two loves today. It's, it's a discussion onto its own. But the lower fear, elementary level, start with lower fear. That leads you to the lower love. Lower love leads you to a higher love. The higher love leads you to the higher fear. So now we understand why we need the lower fear in the month of El. And now we'll also understand why we need the love. Since the, since the lower fear of the month of El is not the ultimate destiny, the lower fear of the month of Elul is a prelude to the higher fear on Rosh Hashanah. So we can come to the higher fear on Rosh Hashanah. And for that, you need another two steps. That's why the month of Elul also requires. What does it require? Let's understand a little bit. The idea of why the lower fear is not enough to lead you to the higher fear. You need the other two levels of love. So to understand that, Let's go back to the discussion we just had now in understanding the uniqueness about the fear of the month of Elul, the, the, the tremble, the brokenheartedness of the month of Elul, how unique that is. So let's first for a moment understand the difference between the lower fear and the higher fear. And why only Rosh Hashanah can we experience the higher fear. Not the, and in Elul, we can only... We, the, what we work on in Elul is accepting the king's authority. And as we said before, hopefully to do that completely means it comes along with a sense of awe and fear. Why is it that, um, that the month of El were not capable of reaching the higher fear? So let's understand the difference between the two fears and let's try to do this briefly. Um, so first let's understand the difference between the fear of fearing God and the lower fear and the low and the higher fear is number one is the difference is in the in the in God that we are fearing, in Hashem that we are fearing, the question is what are you experiencing of Hashem? 
If you experience Hashem as a mighty ruler and a mighty creator, if that's what you're connecting to, then you're experiencing the lower fear. God as a creator will only produce the lower fear. The higher, deeper fear requires one to go much deeper into God and not to experience God as a creator. No matter, imagine, you're talking about God as the creator of the universe and to truly appreciate that. That's huge. But yet, even if you really, really deeply recognize that and understand that and the awesomeness of it, it's still not going to lead you to the depth of the experience of the higher fear. To come to the higher fear, it requires one to go deeper into God, to experience something about God, not that He is a creator. And what is that? To experience Hashem's true exaltedness and greatness, as He is way above being a creator. When one gets a peak and an experience of Hashem as Hashem truly is, then one's existence becomes completely one's being, one's ego, one's sense of self shrinks to the point of non-existent. If it's possible to say that that a being became non-existent. Now obviously, you didn't disappear, but it's as if you don't exist. And that's called, in Hasidus, it's called Bittl Benetzios. You've lost all sense of existence, of being at all. The lower fear means I exist, but I am secondary. I am serving something higher than me. I'm in a state of submission. I'm surrendering my existence to something bigger, but I have an existence. I have a being. I'm a somebody. I didn't shrink. I shrunk, but I didn't disappear. That's the difference. In the higher fear, one disappears completely. To disappear completely, you have to experience God's truth, how God truly is, and when you experience God's truly, how Hashem truly is, it cancels all other existence. But when you experience Hashem as a king over the creation, then the creation has some significance. Because he's the king over the creation. If you eliminate the creation, then he's no more king. So what's he all about? If he's magnificent and his majesty is that he's a king, then there has to be a creation for him to be a king over. So there has to be some value and some meaning to my beingness. And that's why this, this meditation will never completely obliterate one's sense of self. So it's not the higher fear. The higher fear will only come. Oh, but here and then, now we'll understand something very interesting. The lower fear, we said before, is something you bring on to yourself. Quite on the contrary, we said it's primarily you. You're the one who has to do it because if he's not your king, you don't fear him. So you, and, and he can't make himself your king. It has to be your decision. You need to decide that I am now accepting Hashem. God, you are the authority over my life. I don't do what I want, I do what you want. You're my boss. So the lower fear, and then you can experience his king, him as a king, and you can delve deeper in experiencing his greatness of his kingship, but first you have to decide that he is your king, so it's dependent on you. The higher fear is completely not dependent on you. You can't experience the higher fear even if you choose so. It's not something dependent on the person. It's something that God needs to bestow upon a person. Why? Now we'll understand why. Because we explained before that the higher fear means to experience Hashem's true greatness as God truly is. Since we as creations exist within the creation, so we can creep out of creation consciousness. So no matter 
if we are the one doing a meditation on God, we are meditating on Him in relationship to His creation. Because our entire experience is, is from the framework of creation, from time and space, and from the, creation, from the framework of the creation. So even if we can imagine beyond time and space, but we can't cre- get completely outside of existence as we know it. And therefore, God will always be a, a God in relationship to creation. So therefore, we can't do it. The only way to experience Hashem's great, true greatness that is infinitely beyond his greatness as a creator. It's, it's, it's not even a, it's not even a, it's, it's for, for God it's the biggest humility to create the world. So his true greatness, we can't imagine it. We need him to shine himself into our soul. When God shines his truth into our soul in a level, in a way that we can feel him and his true greatness, that's when we dissolve completely out of existence. And that's the reason why, and that happens in Rosh Hashanah. On Rosh Hashanah is when Hashem appears in the palace with all of his exaltedness, with all of his greatness, with his true majesty. In the month of Elul, we said, before, is the total opposite. In the, in the month of Elul, God is not flaunting his greatness. More than that, he's making sure that he's not intimidating. He's reducing his greatness. He, 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 he limits, he, he, he diminishes, he makes himself look as ordinary as possible that we don't feel threatened by him. So therefore, he's not projecting that awe, that awesomeness, that power, that, and definitely he's not even projecting his power as a king, let alone his transcendence beyond being a king. And therefore, in the error, we're not, we're not privy to that greatness. But what we have in Elul is we can do it on our own. Without any, any influence from the outside, we can choose him as a king. Rosh Hashanah, the Alter Rebbe explains in the Kuti Torah, God goes back to his palace. And he lets us come into the palace. For those who greeted him in the, in the field, he definitely invites them to the palace. When we come to the palace, we get to see God as a majestic ruler, And even deeper than that, God allows us to see him as he is truly even beyond being a ruler over the creation. When the soul senses that greatness, the soul becomes not. And then the Rebbe goes on and he says a deeper thought, something so amazing. He says the ultimate transmission of God's true transcendence can't even happen on Rosh Hashanah it has to happen during the blowing of the shofar. Rosh Hashanah itself, even though God is in his kingship, is, is in his palace, and he's revealing his majesty to us, he's revealing his greatness, but his true power, his true infinity, and his true omnipotence, and his true greatness, whatever, cannot be, is not felt on Rosh Hashanah itself, only through the shofar. And he says it's a technical thing, why? He says, because we said earlier that as long as you're within the parameters of creation existence, you can't feel what's beyond creation. Because we, we're, again, we're locked in the, in, the, in the construct of a creation of time and space and everything that comes with it. It's only when Hashem shines, it to, shines himself to you, beams himself to you, into your soul. Oh, now the question is the vehicle of what he's using to beam himself through. 
And Rosh Hashanah is an auspicious time. So God's presence, his true, his transcendence, his, 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 his exaltedness, his kingship is, is revealed. But since it's the tool, the instrument, is because it's Rosh Hashanah. What's Rosh Hashanah? A day in the year. It's a section of time. So it's within time. Time, the, therefore, it's not a true, it cannot allow, it doesn't present us with the real truth of God's tra- transcendence. To some degree, yeah, but not the full truth of it. Because it's limited, because it's coming through time. And time is creation. <clears throat> the only way God does channel His greatness to us that we are within the creation, not hindered and not tarnished and not diminished by the limitations of creation, is through a mitzvah. Since a mitzvah, that's already a whole long discussion, but a mitzvah is a way that God can convey his essence without reducing himself. That's the magic of a mitzvah. And that's why when we say mitzvah, every mitzvah we say, Asher Kedishanu, he has sanctified us. Sanctification, <coughs> Kedusha means that which is separated. He's above, beyond, not limited. He treats us to his transcendence. That's the meaning of Asher Kedishanu. He treats us to being intimate with him, to knowing him as he truly is, not his professional self, his true, deeper, mm, the emiss of God, the, the truth of him. For that, there is a mitzvah. That's why shofar is a mitzvah. So shofar com- com- could communicate to us through the sound of, even though it's coming through a horn, yes, and that's a material of this world, that dissolves. That's not the thing. It, the thing is it's a mitzvah. The mitzvah of it is the channel through which it's the Wi-Fi, so to speak, in which he could communicate to us the uncommunicatable. He communicates. In our soul, we sense who he truly is, and we dissolve completely. That is the, and that's the greatness of the sound of the shofar of Rosh Hashan. Now going back, so El, but, the, but, the, but uh, so now we find that why, so what's with El? El has, El is lacking, the shofar in El. Number one, the king himself, the time of El, the king is in the field. So it's not like the king in the palace. The king is in the field. He's less. He's not projecting himself in his awesomeness and his greatness. Number two. Number two, the blowing of the shofar of El is not a mitzvah, so it doesn't have that quality. And therefore, the month of El is the month of introduction. It's it's the month of us making a move. But what is our work in El? As we said earlier, it per, again we're soon going to see. We're going to. I'm just going to. I'm going to. I see. I'm a little. I'm running over time. But we're going to. We're going to shorten this. But I keep on saying I'm going to shorten it. I don't do it. But okay, let's try to shorten it. And that is that. So the 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 service of the month of El works as follows. We have to start. The, in other words, the the disadvantage of El is really its advantage. The disadvantage of the month of Elul is that we're not privy to such revelations. And Hashem, because Hashem is toning everything down. 
But the reason he's toning everything down is because what's really dear to him more than anything else is what we will do on our own. And in the month of El, we can, we can take a step. In this whole process, we can actually achieve something. We can do it. Me and you, all of us can really, really do it. And it doesn't, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not so much. It, I mean, it sounds big as I explained before, but it, it really just means it's very capable. It means that the God knows you, he knows your, he knows your deficiencies, he knows your yitzar, he knows your struggles, and he wants you to think about him, that's all. He wants you to think about him, and he wants you to take him seriously. He knows you slip, he knows you'll fall, he knows you won't, you know, but, but he still wants you to take him seriously. And he wants you to decide that you are going to live a God-conscious life. And by we do that, a God-conscious and a God-submissive life. And when we submit, submit to his kingship and to his kingdom, and the very fact that he is the biggest compliment, the very fact that he's interested in us being his subject and fulfilling something for him. So when we do that, that's a limit. But then it's not enough to just have the submission and the fear, because submission and fear cause us, cause you to close, to cramp shut. You, 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 you submit, you're, you're constricted. Since the ultimate of Elon has to lead us to the higher fear. And what did we say earlier? The higher fear God bestow, shines his light upon us. For God's light to come upon the person and be internalized, the person's neshama has to be open. You have to be open. If your soul is clamped shut, you can't, you can't receive. That's why after the fear comes the love. The lower love, and then a higher level of love, which causes the soul to expand. You want to get close to him. That wanting opens you up. Now you're open, and his light can be delivered into your neshama, his truth. And when his truth is delivered into your soul on Rosh Hashanah through the shaifar, it causes the ultimate dissolving of the soul into non-entity, which allows God to fully manifest in you and in your space. At this moment, you're just, you're just not you, you're him. You're lost in him. And that's the shaifar. That, that's the deep moment of shofar. So now we understand this whole process. Elo really needs fear because without fear, it's not Anila Dodi. The whole reason for Hashem downtoning everything is because He wants us to start the process, and, uh, us to make the first move. That's the most precious to Him. That's fear. I have to accept Him as my King. I can't remain in that. I got to introduce the love. I got to grow. I got to love my my King. Love and love to higher levels of love and. And in that itself, he helps us. And the Rebbe says an interesting idea. He says that the, the Balatanya, the Alta Rebbe says, two, lishaynes, two, 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 two phrases, as I mentioned earlier, in how God sh- receives us when we, when we accept him as our king. Phrase number one is, is that he's, you can see that he's in a happy, that he's in a pleasant state. He's in a good continence. And then deeper than that, or further than that, he's showing us his laughing face. These two faces, so to speak, of Hashem affect us. The lower, the first, the, the panim yafis, the pleasant face, affects us in the lower love, allows for the lower love. The laughing face stimulates the higher love, makes it, pulls us very, very strongly. Once we're open, then he reveals himself to us that higher revelation causes the higher fear that happens in Rosh Hashanah. 
But all of this still didn't explain what we asked before. Why is it that the brokenheartedness that we need in Rosh Hashanah, the humility, is dependent on the Elul shofar and on the Elul um, tremble more than on the Rosh Hashanah tremble? And the idea now is as follows. At this point of the discourse, the Rebbe turns the whole thing upside down. Because according to what we explained till now, Rosh Hashanah is up here, and El is down here, and we, we begin the climbing of the ladder, and the, and the Rosh Hashanah experience is much harder than El. But he really says, if you think about it in a deeper level, El is really higher in that sense, ultimately, than Rosh Hashanah. And the reason for that is because there are two qualities to the fear and the tremble of Elul and the acceptance of God's kingship in Elul over the, over the, the Rosh Hashanah experiences. What is the two qualities? Quality number one is that there's no novelty in the fear of God that happens in Rosh Hashanah. The fact that God exposes himself, reveals himself, uncovers, comes, removes the curtains, parts the veils, and reveals his infinite, majestic power and, 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 and radiance into a person's soul. And at that time, a person dissolves. That's not a chidush. What do you expect? The fact that everybody melted at, at Har Sinai and our souls departed because God's sweetness swept us up. There it's love, fear. I mean, we all understand that. We can't help it when there is such revelation. And that's why it's not a chidush in Hasidus that we say that in the, in the world of Atzilus, in this world of emanation, the first of the four worlds where God is so present that everything is completely nullified to God. It's no novelty, it's no chidush, and God doesn't have any pleasure in that. It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't satisfy him in any way because that's, of course, my truth is, is, is compelling. That's what it is. And it, in Atzilus in general, especially the peak of Atzilus, Chachma is totally bottle. That's not a, it's not a kunz, not a chiddush. Ah, it's a chiddush. It's a very big novelty when a few, human being made out of flesh and bones, a human being that craves potato chips, a human being that struggles with all the daily struggles, a person has to make a living, and all day long you have headaches and problems and, and temptations and wants and desires and distractions and, and all kinds of things, and, 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 and the world, the physical world, is so obscuring and so concealing, and, 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 and everything around you is lying, and you're exposed to all the chazarai and garbage that's in your face the whole day, wherever you're walking from, whether from, from here and from there, on the streets, on the billboards, on your phone, on the internet, on the, on the wherever it is, you're faced with all this, this stuff that desensitizes a person to anything holy and anything godly and anything true and anything real. And yet, this heroic human being pushes all that aside and makes an attempt to connect to God in the month of Elul. And despite all of that, despite all the lawlessness, if we can say, that are going out, going on in the streets of Portland, right? In this, in this, this physical world is the streets of Portland, in this spiritual sense, it's lawlessness. It's total chaos. It's total madness. And over here, we can be an obedient citizen of Hashem. We can accept the law and order. We can accept to serve Hashem. We can accept to be a good Jew. 
and say, I'm going to embed on you because God, you're real. And you're so real in my life that I'm going to make changes. The way I'm going to say a blessing tomorrow is different. The way I say my Shema, bedtime Shema, is going to be with seriousness. I'll say it from a siddur. I'll say every word. I'll make sure I'll take the negovas and put it by my bed. I'll wake up like a Jew. I'll say Modiani like a Jew. I'll eat like a Jew. I'll think like a Jew. I won't just waste time. I'll spend... I'll spend my time being a, being a yid and doing, doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So that is thrilling to Hashem because there's nothing com- compelling you. There's nothing forcing you to do that in the month of El. Other than you're choosing to do so. It's the novelty of it. That's number one. That's one reason why it's so much greater. The fact that Rosh Hashanah, then, then, that, that, that Hashem is, 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 is zapping you with His light, you're responding, okay, fine. I mean, because we're in a physical world, we can even ignore Rosh Hashanah, God forbid. But I'm saying in general, it's, it's a difference. Rosh Hashanah, we're exposed to intense radiation, spiritual radiation. And in Ellen, in, 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 uh, in we're not. So there's a great novelty in it. Point number two, and that is in the in the um, in the nullification of Elul and in the in the um, acceptance of God's authority of Hashem's kingship and authority in the month of Elul, your surrender we said earlier is dependent on you you're the one doing it but on the other hand you're surrendering to him in other words when you are going to as a result of this surrender give give away of yourself for God compromise when we compromise our own comfort our own desire and or, or surrender our own uh, pleasure to do something the way Hashem wants it and what Hashem expects of us, not what I want. It's completely because God said so. Because again, once I acknowledge I'm a servant of Him, I got to do it because He says. And therefore, the surrender is a very pure surrender. Even though there's a whole lot of me that is really not in the mood. I'm very, very not in the mood of going to the minion. I'm very not in the mood of um, finishing my my daily uh, Torah classes because I'm tired, and everything in me is 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 upset and maybe even up frustrated that I have to do it. The bottom line is I'm going to do it, even though I'm not too, even though I'm not in the spiritual state of mind at all. So whatever I'm doing is purely because God said so. So it's a pure it's a pure surrender. Rosh Hashanah, when I'm standing and I'm shaking in awe in front of Hashem, it's because God's power is revealed upon me. It's coming from God. It's different than an L where it's coming from you. You accept it. Here it's coming from God. But the actual response to it is has yourself in it as well. What's the self? The reason you're dissolving is because you're receiving that revelation and it calls for dissolving. It calls for not being. It calls for... It calls for, wow, wow, there's a certain exhilaration, there's a certain sensation of like, wow, wow, such power, such power, I'm nothing. It's to the point where, but included in that is, in other words, your, your, 
I can't say you're enjoying the non-beingness, but you're, you're maybe it, it could be pleasurable, it could be enjoyable, but more than that, it's, it's in conjunction with the person's self. Yourself is now in a more comfortable state in non-being. It's not like a submission. In when, when I am going to surrender to God's wills, because God said so, so it's purely because of Hashem, not because of self. So the bitl, the actual surrender of, of the service in the month of El, where there is a lack of revelation from above, is a pure surrender. And that's the reason why the, 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 uh, this, this answers the question that I asked earlier. The reason why only the, the brokenheartedness that we spoke earlier, the crushed felt sense of, of the, which, is a, which is accumulating during the month of El through all the shofars, which bring us to a, to a brokenhearted experience on Rosh Hashanah, is on El, not on Rosh Hashanah. Because in Rosh Hashanah, the, 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 the nullification doesn't have, the, doesn't have that humility to it, doesn't have the loneliness to it. It's more, you're, you're, you're elevated by it, you're in a state of elevation. When your neshama is suddenly included in Hashem's truth, you're in a very elevated state. Again, you don't feel yourself, but you're still in an elevated state. It's not a, a sense of loneliness. And there has to be a strong brokenness and a loneliness, which is associated with the acceptance and the truth involved in the acceptance and the feeling that I'm not there and so on and so forth. I'm not okay and I sh- I'm not the way I should be. All of this causes this ani. You feel like a poor man. You feel like ins- in- insignificant and unimportant and, 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 and to a certain degree like a failure. That brokenness that comes from it, that brokenness is the is the is what is what allows for this powerful ormakis to come. And which is even greater than that revelation of light that diminishes you and Rosh Hashanah completely, but rather the power to fix and to correct and to and to and to and to fill every every lack that we spoke about before. One more, and this is the final concept, one more advantage to the month of Elul, and this is where it all comes full circle, is the last and final advantage of the month of Elul is going back to the theme that I said earlier, that everything else is, is the, the whole Rosh Hashanah experience is all coming from God, and Elul is coming from us. Good, so what's the greatness of it? Number one, we said earlier, it gives a chiddush. We said earlier, it's, there's a novelty. But more than that, the Jewish people are rooted, our souls are rooted in the very quintessence of God. And therefore, any, any movement on Hashem's part, any expression, any radiance, any light on Hashem's part, including all the revelations of Rosh Hashanah and the king in, the, in, in, his, in, his, in, his, in his palace, all the exalted levels, all the radiances of Ein Sof light. It's not essence, it's light. It's projection. Essence remains private. Essence remains untouched. There's only one, one, one way to get to the essence. 
we get to the essence. So when the, when the service is coming, when the, the connection comes from us, we're touching it, we trigger, as we said, this is what we spoke in the beginning of the class, we trigger the essence. And we draw the essence into it, as opposed to emanations and revelations. That's the beauty of the month of Elul. And that's why Anila Dodi is so important. Infinitely deeper than the Dodi Li and the, all, the, all, the, all, the, all the reciprocations. It's Anila Dodi, the eye to my beloved touches God at the deepest point. Automatically, because we, of our Anila Dodi, because of our move that we take during the month of El, because that reaches in his essence, from the essence comes all the emanations. So there will be great revelations and great lights and he will stir us and draw us and both the, the pleasant face, the, the, the laughing face, and then the powerful revelation of God's awe in Rosh Hashanah that knocks us out completely. All this, the, old, the whole Vedodi Li of, of God is to me, it's really triggered by Anila Dodi because Anila Dodi is... Is, is, is when you have the source, you'll have already automatically everything else. That's why even though the Vidodi Li technically will only play itself out only in, only in Tishrei, only, oh, yet we said that what? That the Vidodi Li is part of the word of Elul. Why? Because the Anil Vidodi has already within it the, the Vidodi Li. Why does it have already within it the Vidodi Li? Because once you're touching essence, Everything else that evolves from essence, it's there in the essence already, or else it couldn't come out. The essence is the source for, more, for all the revelations. And in the month of El, in what? But let's remember that, in what? In the uninspired moments when you're inspiring yourself. That's what it's all, it's all about. It's when we are making, and doing what? What are we doing? Turning over the world? No. Deciding that God is my God, and my King, and my Master. Today and now, and here and now, that's it. And acting upon that. How much we accomplish with that? Constantly keep on doing it again, because we have to do this every day. And when we do this, nothing deeper, nothing higher. This is, the high, this, this is where it's at. That's why the Rebbe says an interesting thing that the Minak Chabani says is, as we mentioned earlier, that we blow 10 sounds in Rosh Hashanah. Why? Even though most places only blow Tkiah, Trua, Tkiah, Shvarim, Trua, Tkiah one time, we blow the whole series, all three, Tashrat, Takat, Tarat, we, draw, we, draw, we blow all 10 because we are in the blowing of El, it includes already the sounds of Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is only a revelation of it. Or really there in the month of El. May Hashem help us that we can do it, we should do it, and the main thing is we should already meet the king in the field. And the king, Melech HaMashiach, who's actualizing God's kingship. May he already be fully revealed in this El. We don't have to wait for Pe'alah the next year. Now. May it happen now, now, and now, and now.